Welcome to Walking Out Our Faith, a podcast that explores how we can walk out our faith in a way that bears Christ into our homes, workplaces, and communities. I'm Paulette Sackett, a working professional, clergy wife, and mother of four. And I'm Shelley Janikowski, a clergy wife, a working professional, and a Sunday school teacher. Today we're going to explore the story of Tobit and Sarah found in the book of Tobit. We'll focus on the prayers of Tobit and Sarah in chapter 3, and the Archangel Raphael's exhortations in chapter 12. But first, let's open with prayer. Yes, let's do that. O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment, grant us in all our doubts and uncertainties the grace to ask what Thou would have us to do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, and that in Thy light we may see light, and in Thy straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So Shelley, this was your idea. Yes, I've been, actually, the reason that I am so excited about this is I've been using um, St. Raphael in prayers. I've had several people come to me and ask for prayers, for healing, for their daughters, for friends, for family. And I know that St. Raphael is the patron saint of healing. And his feast day was this week on Tuesday. Yep. October 24th. And as I was reading the Anglican Breviary, I found that the, his story is in the book of Tobit. And I had never read the book of Tobit. So well, neither I, have I. I was, I'm a recovering <laughs> Protestant, so I knew it was there, but I'd never taken the time to read it. So it was really a blessing this week to sit down and not only read this wonderful love story, but then also to kind of delve a little bit deeper. So, and I think probably most of our listeners out there might be in the same boat where they may not have read Tobit or be familiar with him. So, just a little more information about this book is that, first of all, the author is unknown. We're not quite sure of who wrote this book, but we do know that Archangel Raphael gave the commission or exhortation to Tobias and Tobit to write it. So, but we don't really know for sure. And then secondly, from the OSB Bible, our official Bible of the Quad Cities Anglican Radio, the story of Tobit is set against the backdrop of the Assyrian exile in Nineveh. That occurs from the years 721 through 615 B.C. And it's toward the end of this exile because, as we hear in the very end of the story, Tobit actually gets to see the end of this exile. So he gets to rejoice in this great ending of this this Assyrian exile. And we have this story full of family tragedy, hope, and divine intervention are interwoven to communicate the presence of God's providence. And some of the major themes, Paulette, are what? Well, it's, it's a love story between Tobias and Sarah, whom we meet in uh, chapter 3. And it's also illustrates for us that the way that we treat other people matter. In fact, even the way we treat reposed friends and family matter. And that's interesting because Tobit's message of selflessness that he undertakes in his life actually is what causes him to become blind. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. um, it's, it is a great story to teach us about that. I think the thing that really stood out for me was how it reflected the essence of Christian spirituality which is prayer and fasting and almsgiving. It's a wonderful story of how that plays out and, and, and pours out blessings upon this family that is in the book of Tobit. And we also 
can overcome both death and the devil with faithfulness to the Lord's help, but only if we cooperate and listen to his instructions. Obedience is important, yes, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. We've been finding that out, haven't we? And God has also provided messengers for us. In this story, we get to meet the archangel Raphael, and we get to see how he aids in healing and transformation, and then how we can apply that to our life, how mm -hmm. he can aid us mm -hmm. in our healing and our transformation into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Well, and it was really, I think it's a unique story in the scriptures because it's very, very clear how active and living and involved God is in the lives of his people. This story illustrates that really well. And so with that kind of an introduction, why don't we read the passage? All right, we're going to start right now by reading um, about Tobit. He was a faithful and charitable man. And while in the process of burying a friend on the Feast of Pentecost, he is stricken with blindness in a freak accident. And we'll let you read more about how this freak accident occurred. But he was given over to despair, and he becomes a little cranky and starts to annoy his wife, Anna. And with his attitude, he, he kind of rubs her the wrong way. And um, her gentle rebuke leads him into prayer of sorrow and repentance. I don't think it's just a grumpy attitude based on the prayer. I think he's really, really deeply depressed. But anyway, that's. we'll let you get started. <laughs> All right. Chapter 3, beginning at the second verse. O Lord, you are righteous. So too are all your works. All your ways are mercy and truth. Your judgments are true and just forever. Do not punish me for my sins and my ignorance, nor those sins of my fathers, which they committed against you. Now do with me as is best before you. Command that my spirit be taken up, so that I may be released and become soil, since it is better for me to die than to live. Command that I be freed from distress to now enter into the eternal place. Do not turn your face away from me. On the same day, an Ekpatana of Medea, Sarah the daughter of Ragul, happened to be insulted by her father's maids. She was married to seven husbands, but before they could be with her as a wife, Asmodeus, the evil demon, killed them. So they said to her, Do you not recollect that you strangled these husbands? You have already had seven husbands, but you received no profit from any of them. Therefore, why punish us? If they are dead, go with them. May we never see a son or daughter of yours. When she heard this, she was so distressed that she considered hanging herself. But she said, I am the only one of my father. If I do this, it will be a disgrace to him, and I will bring down his old age with sorrow into Hades. So she prayed by her window and said, Blessed are you, O Lord my God. Blessed is your holy and precious name unto the ages. May all your works bless you forever. Now, O Lord, I offer myself completely to you. Command that I may be released from the land, that I may not hear such disgrace any more. O Lord, you know that I am innocent of any sin with a man. 
I have not defiled my name nor the name of my father in the land of my captivity. I am my father's only offspring. He has no other child who will be his heir. Neither does he have a brother close at hand nor an adopted son that I might keep myself as a wife to him. Seven of my husbands have already perished. What should I live for? But if it does not seem good to you to kill me, command that I be looked upon with favor, and that mercy be shown to me, so I may no longer hear disgrace. The prayer of both was heard in the presence of the great glory of Raphael, and he was sent to heal the two of them to remove the white films from Tobit, to give Sarah of Ragul to Tobias, the son of Tobit, as a wife, and to bind Asmodeus, the evil demon. For it fell to Tobias to inherit her. At that same time, Tobit returned and entered his house, and Sarah of Ragul came down from her upstairs room. Here endeth the lesson. Thanks be to God. Wow, that sounds like a movie, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> you have the scenes coming in and fading in and out. It's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And there's even just in this passage, which is just one of, what is it, 11 chapters? There's so much there. But I think the thing that was standing out for me as we were just reading it is here are two godly people, people of faith, who are so depressed and struggling that they ask that the Lord would allow them to die. And yes, and think about it, they're, they are in exile. They've probably endured some great harsh treatment and have lived through quite a bit and probably haven't had the easiest life. They've been faithful all along, but I think there comes a point in someone's life when you just can't take one more thing. Right. And then we see here in Tobias, with I'm sorry. Well, with, and they're not suffering any small things either. It's pretty clear from the beginning that Tobias was, in the beginning chapters of this book, he was quite wealthy. Oh, I mean, Tobit. he had, I'm sorry, yes. Yes, me too. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> Tobit was quite wealthy. He had 10 talents of silver that he could just kind of stow away for a rainy day. That's a lot of money in those days. It was He was quite wealthy. But then he becomes blind, and obviously this impacts his wealth to the point where his wife has to work for hire. And she's not happy. Um, so there's a lot of family dynamics going mm -hmm. on here. He's mm -hmm. blind. She's he, he upset. He loses his sight. Yes, he can't take that care alone for is his a family. pretty significant thing. And then the loss of wealth and the stress on his family and the family dynamics that are displayed here. It's all, it's all heavy. <laughs> and it, it's something that we all experience today. It's it's timeless. This story because we all have troubles in our home life and it's not all Health perfect issues, right yeah. financial issues yes it's it's amazing how this can speak to us even today mm -hmm. and then we have sarah who's gone through seven husbands and has yet to have a successful consummated marriage and has no hope for an heir at this point because who would want to marry a woman who you know is reputed to have killed seven of her husbands right right and she's beautiful, and yet things just aren't working for her. She's she's faithful, as we can tell by her prayer. She she's really quite faithful to her Lord and and prays to Him. And so. yet this has brought shame on her to the point that her own servants mock her, and she wants her life to end. Right. 
And how many times, I think, when we look at life, do we get to that point? There's just one more thing that we just can't hardly endure anymore and Mm -hmm. that we ask Mm -hmm. the Lord the same things these two faithful people ask. I've absolutely and most certainly been at that point where, you know, I've, I've said that prayer, Lord, just let me go to sleep and not wake up. And thankfully, he didn't answer that prayer. Right. <laughs> um, and as we know from the story, the, the last part of the passage that you read is that the great Raphael heard their prayer and he was sent to heal them, mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How beautiful. Absolutely. And so let's take um, the time to kind of uh, look a little bit more closely at this passage and see what we can see. Um, One of the first things that I did when I was studying this passage is I did a little bit of a name study. And I thought there were some interesting things here. So let's just go through the characters. We have Tobit, who is the father figure in this story. And his name means God is good. And I thought it was interesting to note that he is the grandson of the prophetess Deborah. Wow. Barak. Uh-huh. And how they had to fight. Uh-huh. Wow. He probably was, was there. So that's really oh, interesting. Oh, my goodness. His wife, Anna. Anna means favor, grace, beautiful. And then we have Tobias, whose name is very similar to his father's name. And remember throughout scripture how the names of people reflect their characters. So Tobit means God is good. Tobias means the goodness of God. So again, we have a son who walks in the footsteps of his father, who is even named similar to his father. We have Sarah, whose name means princess, and it speaks of her royal lineage. We have Raphael, the archangel, um, whose name means God is healer, God heals, medicine of God. And Raphael brings healing to those he ministers to. And it's important to note that it's not just physical healing, but also spiritual and emotional healing. Raphael goes by the name Azaria, which means God helps. That was sort of his... um, alias name he was when he was in disguise i guess or right not, right right not revealing who he truly was he was going by a different name mm-hmm. and uh it actually happened to be the name of a kinsman of the of the family so it was a familiar name to the family mm-hmm. and, and they, also the name of a great prophet oh, oh I'm, uh, I'm sorry family member of a great prophet and then we have asmodeus who is sort of the antagonist of the story he is known as the demon of lust and also as a king among demons. My little word study on him, Asmodeus was known to inflame natural sexual desires into lusts that caused men to forsake their marriage bed and seek sexual gratification outside of marriage. And I was like, wow, I think that guy's having his way in the world today, don't you think? Oh, my goodness. He's running around all over the place, uh-huh. I think. so Definitely. So the story goes, after Tobit and Sarah say their prayers, Tobit sends his son Tobias off to go and get his, his, his money. His ten talents. You're right, that someone is holding for him, Gabrielle. And he lives a distance away, and Tobias is going to need... A companion. travel companion. Mm-hmm. So his father tells him to go find a companion. And lo and behold, we have Raphael show up. And then he and Tobias set off on their journey. 
to go get the 10 talents. But also in the journey, they encounter a fish. And I thought this was kind of interesting. A man eating fish, no less, (laughs) which is really fascinating to me. But Yes. Well, fortunately, Tobias was not eaten by the fish. He defeated it. He defeated the fish, and they um, ate the the flesh, but they saved a few parts from this this interesting animal, this large man-eating fish. They saved the heart and the liver and the gall. I think we need to pause here for a minute and really think about this fish, because the fish came and it attacked them. And yet they were able to defeat the fish and received great provision from the fish. And isn't that often how God works in our lives? The thing that is meant to destroy us, God can take and turn it into a blessing. Oh my. And isn't that what God did with this fish? Yes. And come to find out, there's a there's a lot more symbolism with the fish, which we'll be discussing. But the um, fish... Um, is eaten, the, the, the heart, the liver, and the gall are taken to continue on with their journey. Mm-hmm. And then we have Raphael telling Tobias about this beautiful young ma- maiden named Sarah mm-hmm. and how they're going to meet her. And Tobias is quite excited about this until he finds about, out about finds her. about her seven dead husbands. <laughs> <laughs> He's not so happy about this. And you can't blame the guy for having a bit of pause at that news. (laughs) But Raphael, being who he is, he encourages Tobias to continue on and meet Sarah. And we um, have a situation where um, the love story develops. And there's a lot of symbolism that we encounter in this story. So, and Shelley, you really had a, a great kind of vision of this. So why don't you tell us what you saw? Well, first of all, as I was doing my research, um, reading the Anglican breviary, the sermon by St. Bonaventure stuck out to me the most. And it explained in his sermon the symbolism of the fish, the gall, and the heart and the liver. And first of all, um, if you are familiar with um, the Greek word for fish, it is ichthys. And St. Bonaventure points out that the fish was a long-used symbol of Christ Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the letters in Greek, ichthys, are the initials of these words, Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Savior. So here we have this great representation that the fish is Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, so we have that in the story. And then the parts that they took for provision that they took with them um they they had the gall and i thought that was that was the first point that saint bonaventure pointed out in his his sermon was that this is a medicine from god and it's not just a medicine for the story for tobit um, but it is also for us today because for by the gall we are minded of that bitterness of contrition which is healing for the interior mm-hmm. eyes of the soul. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? The, so the act of confessing your sins to to actually... Which is hard and bitter sometimes. Right. The, the self-examination. The mm-hmm. self-examination mm-hmm. of your conscience. It stings. It does. The bitterness of it. And mm-hmm. um, gall. It's, it's a bitter bile. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what happens in the story um, when gall is put on the eyes of Tobit, to remove his blindness is that it wasn't his son and it wasn't Raphael who put the 
gall on the eye. It was Tobit himself. He had to rub away the gall. You yourself cannot have anybody else take away your bitterness the, right. and do your contrition and self-examination and ask for forgiveness. This is something you we need have to, to do. do for ourselves. That yes. is right. And so Tobit in the story had to do this for himself. And that reminds us that no one can do that for us. We can be reminded and we can have that brought to our attention, but it's only us who has to t analyze our conscience and ask for forgiveness. Well, and it's kind of an analogy for uh, evangelism, too, because Tobias brought the gall to Tobit. So we can bring the good news to people and we can give it to them, but they have to take it and apply it to their hearts and to their minds and allow it to be the cleansing salve that it's meant to be. And it is, it's bitter and it hurts and it stings and we have to come to that point of repentance. But no one, I mean, you know, the scripture tells us that that it is the Holy Spirit that brings salvation, that we can't save anyone that each individual has to take salvation for themselves from the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, and find salvation. But we are like Tobias. We have to be the bearers of the good news and bring it to them We're so the that church. they can. Yeah, the church. I, I actually think that was a very, when you, as you were talking about this, that reminded me that Tobias probably is symbolically the church. Very much he so. He is bringing the gift of healing mm -hmm. to, to Tobit. Much like the church brings the holy sacraments to us so that mm -hmm. we can continue to grow in the knowledge and love of God and have wholeness and salvation. Mm -hmm. and, but like Tobit, we have to also receive it. Right. Um, it's only us that can do it. Mm -hmm. So No one can do it for us. Wow. How beautiful is that? Mm -hmm. um, that's amazing how that scripture all works together, doesn't it? And yes. it points us to, to the direction we are to take. Right. So tell us about the heart and liver. Yeah, though that's really interesting because according to St. Bonaventure, Raphael would deliver us from the devil's bondage by putting us in remembrance of the passion of Christ. Because the fish is representing Christ, we may understand by the heart of the fish that there is nothing today to free us from the bondage of the devil except the passion of Christ, oh. which same proceedeth from the depth of himself, namely his heart mm -hmm. burning with love. For the heart is the fervent fountain of all life. The heart of Christ, whence his passion proceeded, is the source of a charity which burneth with love, and so is the cause of devotion in us. Oh, that's awesome. That's a beautiful analogy and symbolism of that. And we, we see this heart and liver being used as incense and the prayers to, to drive away the demon that is possessing um, or is surrounding Sarah. And um, how beautiful is that, that only the, the passion of Christ, the, his heart burning for us with the love of us can drive away the demons. And the devil. That's awesome. It's beautiful. So a reminder for today, even not only was it apparent to them back then, but it is for us as well today, this reminder of Christ's love for us. That was really cool. There was a couple other things that um, stood out for me as I read through the passage and, and uh, did a little studying on it. Seven husbands. That phrase kept ringing in my ears, and I was thinking, where have I heard that? Where have I heard that? And it's in the Gospels. 
So in Matthew 22 and also in Luke 20, the Pharisees questioned Jesus about a woman who married seven men. And I searched and searched, and I couldn't find any anything to verify this. But, you know, I just had to wonder, is it possible that they were talking about the story of Sarah and Tobias? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I just thought it was very curious. And I always get excited about the possibility of connecting these Old Testament passages and New Testament passages together. And didn't so Saint, I don't know. And didn't Saint Fotini have seven husbands, or she Did had she two? She had more than one. I remember. Yes, Christ called her out on it. Anyway, she had more than one husband. That's so interesting. Multiple also. husbands. So but. there's that. Um, the other correlation that I saw was here we have a woman named Sarah, who is very beautiful, who's very holy, who's of the pure line of Christ, and. She is being reproached by her maidservant. Now, haven't we studied another Sarah who had a little problem with a maidservant? <laughs> oh, yes, we sure have. <laughs> Hagar so, and <laughs> Abraham's wife, Sarah, yes. was also reproached by her maidservant. So I thought that was interesting. It's just a little aside. And not to change that the name, but I also noticed that we had just finished talking about Hannah. And who also suffered great reproach, didn't she? Yes, she did. Uh, uh, Good point. Yes. Good point. I hadn't thought about that. So we have this terrible treatment of these women. Yeah. And actually, I thought that Sarah and Tobit and then also Hannah both give us very beautiful examples of how to respond to this kind of reproach. Because both Hannah and Sarah in Tobit their response was to turn to the Lord and cry out to the Lord for defense and for redemption. And God responded both times, didn't he? Right. Yes, he certainly did. So I thought that was just a little aside, but I think it was really interesting. The other thing that really stood out for me was in verse 17 of chapter 3. Verse 17 says, and he was sent to heal the two of them, to remove the white films from Tobit, to give Sarah of Regul to Tobias, the son of Tobit, as a wife, and to bind Asmodeus, the evil demon. For it fell upon Tobias to inherit her. And now I had to pause there for a moment because we live in a very feminist society, right? And I think anyone who read this, who had even the slightest feminist leanings would feel offended at that because it very much sounds like Sarah is being treated as property there, doesn't it? Yes. Well, from the word inherit, yes, it certainly right. does. So I had to do a little bit of word study there. And a right interpretation of the word inheritance in the Jewish tradition shows that the term almost always refers to bloodlines, not property and the acquisition of spiritual blessings and promises. It really has almost nothing to do with inheritance in the modern sense, because when we think about inheritance, we think about property and, and legal matters, right? This is not a legal term in this passage. If we were to rephrase the statement 
according to Jewish tradition, it would say something like, For it fell upon Tobias to receive Sarah as a pure and desirable bride, a spiritual blessing, and the fulfillment of the promise of God. And that's a totally different connotation than what we would get if we just heard the word inheritance. And I think that's really important to point out because it's something we battle against in our faith today and in our culture today, this idea that that Christianity as a whole is a very patriarchal religion that just oppresses women. When a careful and educated reading of Scripture shows us that God loves and treasures women, and this is just one more example of that. Well, and I think it also then leads us to our next point here um, in discussion with the seven previous husbands and how they were um, affected by the demon of lust, mm -hmm. Asmodeus. When you have this demon of lust, you aren't going to treat your wife in this most beautiful way, are you? It was the You're demon of lust, Asmodeus, who was treating Sarah as a possession. Yes, and we need to understand here that Tobias was going to take a very different view of this marriage than the previous seven apparently had mm -hmm. with her. Mm -hmm. That it was so terrible that the, the marriage ended, that these men died, that it was so terrible that they were so consumed with the, the desire of lust, they couldn't see the blessing of this pure and desirable bride mm -hmm. and the blessing that she was. Their motivation was their lust, God. yes, not godly love for this woman. And I, I think that that is something that we all need to face up with our culture today and how we do have this great demon mm -hmm. of lust mm -hmm. rampant in movies, in, in, in our culture, in advertisements. Everywhere you look, you mm -hmm. see this. And we don't understand the importance anymore of having someone as the desirable bride being a blessing from the Lord and how you would then want to carry that thought and and carry that out in your marriage and what a beautiful example sarah and tobias give us yes and how to do that well i that's where it leads us up to right now is one of the parts of the story that i thought was most beautiful was the prayer that both tobias and sarah said together in chapter eight the actual prayer occurs verses five through nine so i'm going to go ahead and read that to you um, and it starts like a half a verse before this, so about 4B. No, I think you need to start at verse 4 when they go into their bedchamber right. after the marriage. Okay. I think that's, you know, that's really important. We <laughs> want to know what's going on in there. <laughs> All right. Beginning at verse 4. While both were enclosed in the room, Tobias rose up from the bed and said, Arise, sister, and let us pray that the Lord will have mercy upon us. So Tobias began to pray, saying, Blessed are you, O God of our fathers, and blessed is your holy and glorious name unto the ages. The heavens and all your creatures bless you. You made Adam and gave him Eve as a helper, his wife as a support. From them the seed of mankind came to be. You said it is not good for the man to be alone. Let us make a helper for him like himself. O Lord, I now take this my sister as my wife, not on account of fornication, but in truth. Mm. Command that she and I may have mercy and in this grow old together. And with him, she said, 
Amen. Amen. Then both fell asleep for the night. How beautiful. Isn't that? I just get goosebumps. I just mm-hmm. I just absolutely what love What a different this. approach to marriage than you see in the secular world today. And how, how God has given Sarah to Tobias to be a support and how wonderful this is. And he, mm-hmm. re, he realizes it and he rejoices in it. And I think it's kind of a hoot that the next verse says, but Ragul, that's Sarah's dad, rose up and went outside and dug a grave saying he too may have died. Well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> well, he's like, well, the odds are against the poor guy. <laughs> but you know what? The tomb was empty, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, and that, that was awesome. I, I, I thought that was another great thing, too. But um, And just to point out that um, during the Orthodox wedding service, the priest does pray over the bride and groom, grant them to lead an upright and blameless life, even unto a ripe old age. Well, just the idea that they entered into their marriage bed praying that they would grow old together. I mean... Could you come up with a more romantic and beautiful and holy prayer? Yes. I don't think so. Yes. So <laughs> it was wonderful. But what a great example that leads. Uh, and I think also if you look at what Tobias did is he led his wife in prayer. He was mm-hmm. responsible for her spiritual well-being he as was well. The sp- he was already acting as the spiritual head of that family. Wasn't he? He asked her to pray with him. Arise, mm-hmm. sister, pray with me. Mm-hmm. And, and she did. Wonderful. Yeah. What a great example for us. And then it comes to the end of our story, and I, I do really encourage you to read more because there's so much here that we can hardly talk about in, in yeah, our short time together. because even at this together. point, they still don't know that they're being watched over by a guardian angel. They just think this is some, you know, nice guy who's yeah. kind of helping them out. Yeah. So um, the point that I want to get to right now is in Chapter 12, and um, we have Raphael revealing his identity to Tobias and Tobit. It's a beautiful exhortation, um, not only for the two men, but for us as Christians as well. You want me to read that? Why don't you go ahead? Okay, so it's chapter 12, and I'm going to begin at verse 6. Then Raphael secretly called the two of them and said to them, Bless God and give him thanks. Ascribe greatness to him and give thanks in the presence of all the living for what he has done for you. It is good to bless God and to exalt his name. Make known the words of God's works honorably, and do not delay to give thanks to him. It is noble to keep hidden the secrets of a king, but glorious to unveil the works of God. Do good, and evil will not find you. Prayer is good with fasting, almsgiving, and righteousness. A few prayers with righteousness are better than many with wrongdoing. It is better to do almsgiving than to lay up gold. For almsgiving rescues one from death, and it will wash away every sin. Those who do almsgiving and are righteous will be full of life. But those who sin are enemies of their own life. I will not hide anything from you. Indeed, I did say that it is good to conceal the secret of a king, but to reveal gloriously the works of God. Now, when you and your daughter-in-law Sarah prayed, I brought the remembrance of your prayer before the Holy One. When you also buried the dead, I was likewise present with you. Then, too, when you did not hesitate to stand up and leave your dinner so as to depart and care for the dead, 
Your doing what is good did not escape me, but I was with you. Now God sent me to heal you and Sarah, your daughter-in-law. I am Raphael, one of the seven holy angels who report the prayers of the saints and who enter before the glory of the Holy One. Mm. Here endeth the lesson. Thanks be to God. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. Wow, what an exhortation for us. We really need to pay attention to his words. Um, and as you said earlier, one of the great lessons that we have in this story is that it is one that exhorts us to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And we hear that especially during our penitential seasons of Advent and of Lent. Those two great seasons when we take time to reflect and repent and then focus on these three pillars of Christian spirituality, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that was also one of St. Bonaventure's points in the medicines that was given. Mm -hmm. His exhortation, actually the exhortation of prayer, is one that encourages us with greater earnestness to pray. And if you look at chapter 12 of Tobit, when thou didst pray, I did bring the remembrance thereof before the Holy One. For in such fashion, the angels do all they can to reconcile us to God. We got helpers out there. And if we only use these medicines that, that he has given us, we Prayer, have a helper. fasting, and almsgiving. Yes, <laughs> we, we have great advocates out there who are rooting for us, who are, who are encouraging and trying to reconcile us before God. The devils are the fallen angels, and they try to accuse us before God. Mm -hmm. They try to make us trip up and, and fall. But the angels are there as helpers, and mm -hmm. um, they're there is to, to encourage us to pray. And, and the angels will take our prayers to the remembrance of the Holy One, the Holy God. Amen. Yes. So, our friends, do we reflect Tobit's message of selflessness? which is the heart of Christian spirituality? Do we cry out to God in our desperation as Tobit and Sarah did? Or do we try to do it on our own or give up completely? Do we trust in God and believe he can aid us with the help of his holy angels? Do we believe God's holy angels are present before God with our prayers? Do we believe in demons and the power of prayer and incense to overcome them and drive them away? And are we willing to give back to God what he has given us? How about a biblical tithe of one-tenth? Do we approach God with prayer and fasting and almsgiving? Do we heed the words of the angel Raphael? Praise God and tell everyone about the good things he has done for you so that they too will honor him and sing his praises. Let everyone know what God has done and never stop praising him. Shall we close in prayer? Yes. O God, who gave us blessed Raphael, the archangel, unto thy servant Tobias to be the companion of his wayfaring, Grant unto us, thy servants, that we may ever be protected by the guardianship of this same thine archangel and be defended by his help through the same our Lord Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the same spirit, ever one God, 
world without end. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Quad Cities Anglican Radio. If you like what you hear, please follow, share, subscribe, and sponsor us on Patreon.